Hi, I'm Carrie Hines. Welcome to our Hair Radio podcast series that features special interviews and segments from the Hair Radio Morning Show, Salon TV Network, along with original exclusive content right here and across 10 other top podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Contact us about advertising your products or services or being interviewed at 347-587-3213 or visit us on the internet at hairradio.com. Now sit back and enjoy your Hair Radio podcast presentation. Again, I'm Carrie Hines. Thank you. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. We have with us a very special legend returning to our broadcast this morning. It is my honor to welcome back the amazing Miss Melba Moore. Good morning, Melba. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. And I have to say, first of all, you were kind enough to grace us with an appearance right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. We're talking about about five years ago, so it's been a little while uh, since, you know, we've seen you, but we've been following you. Right, right. Literally following you. <laughs> we've been following you on right. social media. Well, I so, say that's how you do it on, on the Internet now. You follow people. Exactly. This is true. Well, we're so excited. I mean, first of all, you have a big hit record. And so we're honored to have you talking about this right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show with uh, just your adoring fans and folks, uh, again, you know, with the audience out there. What can you tell us about your new record and how did it come about, Just Doing Me? It's what people call house music, which is a very, 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 very popular uh, dance genre. There's several different genres now. Um, I mean, a lot's developed since back in the the late seventies, and we all we had was disco. <laughs> right, that exactly. Was a different genres, and probably is going to develop more since people are kind of shut in and they have, you know, more time to focus on things that. Well, we, we need joy during these times. We need to have something to to lift us up, and so uh, we might be dancing around our house, but it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, very well, true. I, I've always considered, you know, entertainment to be something that's kind of a staple. It's not, it doesn't come first like your rent and those, you know, loop over your head and stuff, but you have to have joy. You have to have entertainment. And so, like, uh, for this to happen for, to me, especially as I'm approaching my senior years, is kind of amazing. <laughs> oh, well, listen, let me tell you something. That song, when I heard, I couldn't believe my ears. It kind of, what I love about it, it kind of has a, a, a like a, a, a vibe that kind of mixes a whole bunch of genres that we have known in the past with all kinds of new infusions of sounds. I was like, whoa, okay. So this is why I believe, Miss Moore, that it is connecting with a lot of the youth out there, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's good for everybody. One of the things that really strikes me about it is George Pettis' piano solo. That's very reminiscent to me of when we first had modern jazz and you had people like Horace Silver at Thelonious Monk. I mean, playing the kind of jazz that we had never heard before. And, and it doesn't matter if it's something you've heard before or not. When you first hear it, it's going to say, oh, look at that. I like that. 
And I think that's maybe what's connecting with the, the young people. It's not something that's you right. have to have heard before for it to affect you that way. Exactly. Now, I want to go back. One of the things I remember after our last interview, and it happens uh, every so often we'll have great guests like yourself, and the moment that we are finished with the interview, I said, oh, I forgot to ask about that. I forgot to bring that up. <laughs> so I have listened back, and I said, oh, my goodness, I've always wanted to talk to you a little bit more about different things in your amazing career. And to me, and and so many others out there, uh, you know, you really came through and, and got a, a great, position in the entertainment world, which was so, it's rare these days, <laughs> you know, let alone, you know, uh, several years back where folks were, you know, just not so open and willing to give folks uh, just coming into the uh, industry a chance, and especially uh, people of color. So, yeah, so when you look back at this career, and um and I've seen all of well, quite a bit. You've you've done a lot. Okay, you have a you have a true career out there in the entertainment. What do you say when you even just fans like myself? We all you know look back and we ask you what what's the biggest question you kind of get about your career? What do people most want to know about? And I have my suspicion of of uh, what I think they most want to know about you. But what do you say? What's the number one question that the fans come up and? talk to you about when they when they get a chance about your career because I know what it is I think they usually want to know when did you really know that you could sing and that you were in control of yourself <laughs> that you had it going on and I can't answer that question because I still don't know that but that's oh. another one question. I guess I I give off uh, it's not an illusion but <laughs> <laughs> the sense of being really confident and um, you know having a clear idea of, you know, what this industry is about and just be in charge of things. And it's not that that's not true, but I really feel like I've been led by God because everything that's happened to me, I really didn't know what I was getting into, but it turned out right, and I had a sense, oh, I want to try that. You were not fearful to try. And well, I was scared to death, but I went in. <laughs> well, we wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> we would not know it. I mean, you really are a trailblazer. You're a trailblazer, and uh, which uh, you know that's what we all see and hear. You mention your name; everybody knows who you are. Everybody. And what I'm, I also want to focus on for a moment is your your career on Broadway and uh, being a Tony Award winner. So that is a big moment. It's huge. <laughs> So we have to talk about that. So uh, give us a, tell us again, because uh, this was, uh, and it, again, these are things that are still rare today in the community out here, yeah. and they don't happen just to any old and everybody. So how did yeah. this come about for you, uh, Melba? Tell us how it came about. Well, I'll, I'll try to kind of give us the <laughs> so, so I can actually start from the beginning. Okay. And, uh, two few things to just give you kind of like a, uh, an outline of, of what happened. Sure. My, my mother was a professional singer, but um, she, she uh, had a romantic interlude with my father, who was a big band leader. His name is uh, Teddy Hill. It was Teddy Hill. Um, she got pregnant, had me, and uh, so she was a single parent, which meant I had a broken family like many of us do. And um, she was out trying to uh, take care of me and her mother, who had had strokes, 
who they were from um, uh, Bethlehem, Alabama. So she brought her up to New York and had her with me, and we had what we used to call a governess or a nanny. Yeah. And uh, uh, so my mother was gone all the time, so and I didn't have a father there, so uh, it was like very um, unstructured. Well, like it should be. Uh, family. So I was raised by a nanny who was uh, orphaned, illiterate, and from the backwoods of South Carolina, uh, moved from one um, sharecropper farm to the other, and somehow made her way up north, and that's who I was raised by. But my mother uh, put me in Catholic school, so I had a great beginning of education in New York City, and I think that's why that stayed with me. I'm still born again, and that's my focus. And I think that's why things really happened for me uh, still. Uh, <clears throat> but then she married my stepfather, whom she formed a, um, a performing act with. He was a piano player, and uh, he just passed away three years ago, but at 101 years old. Wow. So I only have a, a zest for life. Got to hold on. He always said, never give up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, he had a, a son and a daughter by a former marriage. His first wife had passed away. And I used to pray for a sister and a brother because I, I wanted siblings and I was very, very lonely. So uh, we moved from New York to, to, uh, to New, York, New Jersey where I continued uh, my family life and learning how to be really the first community that you're in is your family. And I right. uh, learned to, to uh, fellowship. I had now aunts and uncles and cousins. I had a family. I wasn't isolated and disjointed that way. Uh, a lot of damage had been done to me in some the, uh, abuse because there was no father no mother there but that was all remedy and then uh, my parents re-insisted that we get a good education so that continued uh, but by the time I got to like junior high school well before that because he made us all take piano lessons we discovered I could sing so he didn't make me take voice lessons he made sure I, I continued with my piano lessons mm. but by the time we got to junior high school and it was time to figure out where you're going to go to high school I discovered Arts High School in Newark, and I had fallen so much in love with music that I, I decided I wanted to see if I could get in there, audition there, and major in music and really focus on music. And I did that, and then uh, when it was time to go to college, I wanted to go to Manhattan School of Music or Juilliard or something like that, but we didn't have the money, and I didn't have the confidence or the information to try out for scholarships, so I went to Montclair Teachers College to major in uh, music education. Make a long story a little bit short. Then I went into the public schools of Newark, New Jersey to teach music. And I happened to be a gifted teacher, but I didn't want to teach. I wanted to be a performer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I asked my dad to take him around to some of his colleagues to get me into the industry as a musician. And one of the first people I met was uh, Valerie Simpson, who was, it was at some music publisher's office. And we were both in the um, waiting area to, to meet our prospective people that we were going to see. We exchanged numbers, and she got me started in studio backup singing work, where you sing what we used to call oohs and ahs. People have a oh, yeah. <laughs> and hire backup singers. Yes. So um, she was at the, at, the, at the top of that part of her industry. She's all, always been a great entrepreneur, too, and great leader as well as a great musician. It was before her and Nick, of course, were married. We were at the very beginning of our careers. And wow. And on one of the recording sessions, uh, a very talented musician by the name of Galt McDermott, who was a keyboardist and the composer for the music for the Broadway show Hair, uh, was doing his performance of the music, and he was being ass uh, assisted by uh, Jim Rado and Jerry Ragney, who were the two st 
two male stars of the Broadway show, and they had also written the book and the lyrics for the song, the, the book for the music, the story. Of, of, and they were the two stars. And the, the session went on for about two weeks or so. First of all, I was what I call a black American princess, a bat. Okay. Only thing I knew about hippies was what I had seen on TV. But <laughs> these, mm-hmm. these two uh, uh, gentlemen, Jim and Jerry, were hippies. And like one of them, he had bright red, bushy, curly hair. His, he, he looked like his fingers were stuck in a live drum. He was wild and crazy looking. And he didn't have on no shoes. And to make a long story a little bit shorter, after the session went on for, for a couple of weeks, he came up and asked me if I would like to do hair. But I had never seen a Broadway show, and I never heard anything about hair. So I said, well, I don't have a, a Bachelor of Arts degree in music to do nobody's hair, so no. And so he explained <laughs> to me that it was going to be a Broadway show. I said, oh, oh, okay. And that, you know, really basically they had been auditioning for us if we wanted to be a part of it because they were still casting for it. So I went and sang for the director and the producer. I got a part in the show. Um, I wound up doing one of the featured parts, which was a parody on the Supremes. And to make a long story a little sh- uh, shorter, before I left the show, um, I auditioned for and got the female lead in the show. And in so doing, I became the first black actress to replace a white actress in a lead role on Broadway. But the actress just happened to be Diane Keaton. That's wow. just to give you a little bit of what happened to me. It's not like I knew what I was doing. Well, that was, is just was learning amazing. on the job. And wow. then just to, just to go on how I got into the position of getting a Tony Award, um, I was reminded by one of the girls in the um, chorus that I really did not know how to audition because that's not like a, in a, an audition. Right. And she said, you need to learn how to audition. She told me about auditions for what turned out to be my second Broadway show, and she explained to me that when you go up for a role, you try to do some research on it, but you can get a script ahead of time, and you do what they call typecasting, where you try to look like the part. Hmm. Well, um, the the part was from the backwoods, uh, um, illiterate, cotton chopping, <laughs> sharecropping girl like the lady who raised me. So um, I was I was a, a, a shoo-in for that part. <laughs> you had a real life person to draw from. And, yes. Wow. And that's how I I got the role, and then eventually, of course, got the Tony Award, and that really catapulted my um, career into a lot of television work. And after that, I, I met my later then husband who really focused and redirected it into the recording industry and is the reason that I have this wonderful, huge catalog of great, 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 great songs and several you know, several different recording hits. Absolutely. Kind of well, I love the story. Now, let me ask you, though, did having the success on Broadway, how did you avoid being, shall we say, typecast in a sense, uh, that like once they say that you're a Broadway actress, a Tony Award-winning actress, uh, we can't market you or cross, you know, move you over to a recording, a successful recording career. How did you avoid that not happening, so to speak? So it did happen. We, oh, we no. um, went to some of the, the top um, recording artists who were managers, and they all turned me down. So then my then-husband, Charles Huggins, uh, said, well, let's figure out what we can do ourselves. And we just started uh, um, inquiring and going to the different um, uh, festivals and, you know, uh, uh, what do you call conferences, going on in the industry and seeing, uh, as a matter of fact, um, my then-husband, 
uh, got me back into the industry because I had lost everything by then, um, by taking me to the Metropolitan Opera House eventually. We didn't know what we were doing, but we formed it. We uh, then, you know, got people like um, Ben McCoy to uh, record. Um, he, he got my record deals for me. The first one was with uh, Mercury Records uh, with the art cast. No, that was Buddha Records. And uh, oh, yeah. eventually with uh, CBS Records. And he, wow. he went out and he formed, he formed what we called Hush Productions. Um, to give me a business team. And we became entrepreneurs that way, and we had to do it ourselves because um, the industry is so racist and so um, uh, divided that if you didn't fit into that little category, you, you didn't have a way. So you had to make a way yourself. I, mean, I don't want to go on and on and on, but that's basically how we started. But eventually we, we um, managed most of the R&B recording artists, uh, uh, R, R, yeah, R&B ones, during the 80s. We started, wow. like, with... Freddie Jackson, and he kind of opened the way, and he was a wonderful songwriter, and um, he, he was a word processor. <laughs> he wasn't even wow. in the I, re- I remember those. Imagine that talent, right? <laughs> we, he, he went out, and we got Kashyyyk, we got Paul Lawrence, we got, we managed McFadden and Whitehead. Wow. That's saying a lot. That is saying, and just an amazing uh, group of artists. Now, I have to say, you really know everybody. You've worked with everybody, or you've had some kind of interaction, or done tours, or what have you. You've done things with folks out there. Uh, I mean, I saw the pictures with you and Lena Horne and all these amazing artists, just amazing. Well, they were all in great company as well. But how do you feel now when you see that the industry is, in my words, it's a little different. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but how do you feel? Where you know we don't those, those stars are just not so prevalent as much anymore. You know, with that level of just something so, uh, you know. So how do you feel about? How do you feel I don't, about? I don't that? know. I don't think I agree with you, Carrie. I think it's very, very, very different. But I'll yeah. tell you something. For, for an example, I was one of the uh, wonderfully privileged people to be invited uh-huh. to open out at a celebration of what she called Oprah's legend. And I was <laughs> sitting across yes. the picnic table with my daughter. Then this beautiful young lady was, she had such a, a soft voice. And I didn't hear her because I was chomping on my chicken wings. Uh-huh. My, my daughter said, Ma, Ma, stop listening. Uh, um, that's Halle Berry. I, I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How you doing? <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, like today, Halle Berry's like the latter-day Lena Horne. Yes, she is. Oh, or my gosh. Or a type of, you know. Oscar-winning Halle Berry. <laughs> like that. Or, or um, oh, I know, we were having lunch, and, um, oh, I can't think of her name now. But, um, any, anyway, um, uh, Oprah said, okay, um, I'm, she had the way to bring these gifts to us. And they were at the table, and I heard somebody crying, oh, oh, oh. and it was Debbie Allen. And on, on one oh side, it was Natalie Cole. I said, well, what's going on? What's wrong? And we opened the box, and it was these huge diamond earrings. And all of us were just gasping. I mean, I mean things have changed a lot, but it, it, our icons are amazing. I mean, 
I, I, I didn't see uh, uh, Chaka Khan perform. And I said, how can she do that? But then she has the stamina of a man. She can play the drums. Oh, I didn't realize Chaka could play the drums. Wow. <laughs> we have ridiculous uh, uh, talent today. We yeah. have, uh, there's a young lady, I don't know what her name is, but I was just honored at something called uh, Black Women on Broadway. And she's playing the role of Tina Turner. You have to be an actor. Oh, yes, in order to I know who that. you're talking about. She's just uh, yes. amazing, amazing. We yes. don't know her name yet, but I'm sure we will. Yes, we will. We'll definitely know her name. She looks a lot like Tina, too. I've seen Tina in concert, and I saw the, the young lady who's playing her part on Broadway, and she's just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. And just to be able to move like that, my goodness. Well, you How know about what? I, is oh, uh, listen, she is just, uh, she's, isn't she the record holder for Tonys for women? I mean, or she's for people, I think. She ain't got room for them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she, <laughs> she is. But I love her as well as her acting, too. Every time you turn around, she's on Law and Order. It don't even That's have nothing true. to do with music. That's true. And her other show, the uh, the one that's on CBS on the the series, they have a she does the lawyer show uh, that's out there as well. She's just got a big career. You guys know you can always Google her. Now let me tell you, uh, Melba Moore. First, first of all, if you've just joined us, uh, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Uh, we're welcoming back a true legend. A, I mean, a just legend across the world of entertainment. The one and only Miss Melba Moore. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day, Miss Moore, to be with us. Such a pleasure. All right. Well, now I have to say, let's turn back to this amazing song, "Just Do Me." Uh, my question: How did uh, did it come out of this idea as well about the? Because you did mention a little bit um, at the top of our piece today about the, um, you know, being at home and kind of being alone and kind of forced to being left to our own devices. Can you talk a little bit more about that, just to me, because we just well, love this song. To, to me, the heart of why it's successful, uh, we had no idea that, you know, the uh, virus and the shut-in was going to happen. We did this song quite a long time ago, but sometimes you just have to wait and be patient. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, as far as me, as a senior artist, things are so different. It's not like you have a record company that control everything, and you have an A&R person, and you have a whole team, and you're not really allowed to go out and do anything with anybody else. It's a very, it's a very independent entrepreneurial environment, not just for the entertainment industry. And I, I, I have worked with George Pettis, who's just he's, he's the one who's playing the, the piano on this, but he's a great songwriter. He writes um, a lot of the songs with his wife Angela Pettis. But the important thing you see. They, they didn't ask me how much I was going to pay them. They're, they're artists. They just got together and said, we want to do this. They brought me to their house where he has a studio. And we just, I want you, this is, the, this is the songs I wrote for you. So we just experimenting, experimenting, trying to see what's going to work. And, and I sang this song among many other songs. He took it and said, well, I'm just going to go see what I want to do with it. Well, I didn't have him say what, see what he was going to do. I had never heard of Terry Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the review of the, Yes, I love that. I they love it. Hunter, they do what they call mixes, what I would call the right. arrangement, because the drum beats are very, very important to uh, what the feel is going to be, what the what the dance genre is going to be, the tempos. Um, 
uh, George uh, took the, the music and continued to work with it and tweak it and rearrange it. And, and then um, I signed a, you know, a little letter of agreement with them that we'll split everything three ways. Other than that, there's really no um, detailed, complicated contractual agreement. In other words, it's honor. Love it. That's Just artistry. And because they are such geniuses and so great at what they do, and we trust each other, I had this huge hit. Wow. Well, we're loving it. And we've been running it on right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Just Thank you, you. Me. We love it. <laughs> we love it, Ms. Melba Moore. Uh, we do need to ask you, what's next for you, and what are some of the things out there? I know that you're doing quite a bit of things. Anything you want to kind of give us a little preview on <laughs> for the fans of the show? Well, um, we're kind of watching it each day as we go. Yes. And of course, because the uh, song is success, so successful, it's going to direct a lot of projects that I'll probably be able to do virtually and um, learn how to uh, continue to learn how to do, you know, uh, videographic selfies. Yes, <laughs> our favorite thing. You're going to have to help me out with the hair, okay? <laughs> we'll take care of that, Melba. We'll take care of that. And and I always say, because we teased you with the last time you were with us, we were like from hair to hair radio, literally. Right. So uh, you've done it. You've done it. I just, so we're we just taking love it. it um, one moment at a time, but I have a lot of things that are, that are being offered to me now, and um, I believe that singing and uh, musical performance is the centerpiece of my life, and it's it's um, it's a calling. It's not just um, a job. So that when I make that the the, the foundation and, and the centerpiece, I'm sure I'm going to write books. I'm going to do other merchandising. I'm going to do a clothing line I'm, because um, I pay attention to that and. We work with honor with wonderful people so great things happen. And um, there's going to be a whole other opportunities just online, I think, that didn't exist before. But a lot of other things are going to shut down. They just won't be able to do it because it, they've been um, designed for crowds to, to come in, into place, these huge crowds. You can't really do that anymore. That's going to change a lot. So we're going from day to day. No, but thank you for that. And I just want to say the last question I have for you today. There was a, uh, uh, because uh, you mentioned about being from North New Jersey, and there was, of course, the amazing Houston family. Now, you guys, you, did you, I think, didn't you know the, the Houston and Whitney and her, well, I'm, her I'm amazing very, family? I'm a very close uh, friend with Dr. Sissy Houston. Yes. And, of course, uh, my, my heart is still breaking over the passing of Whitney. Um, yes. It yes. was like a loss of a family member myself, and um, but she's she's been like just a, a <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because she's so like um what do I call it real well, or uh, she got fancy. You know? No, well, Sissy Houston, let me tell you, I had an opportunity to get down to her uh, street naming. I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and we of oh, course right. we're based out of Jersey. So, you know, East Orange and Bloomfield and Newark and all that is in our, you know, in our wheelhouse here. But what I loved about it, uh, she had everybody there performing. And um, at the street uh, naming ceremony at the, the, the New Hope Baptist Church there, and it was just awesome. Yeah. And just she's just an incredible voice still. And so oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I love about you. You, you guys are just, your voices are amazing. 
But of course, now, once again, you know, that's a Christian family. That's what's first. Mm. That's, they were all gospel singers. And, you know, we kind of understand that God owns it all. <laughs> yes, that's right. You don't know. You might see Sissy on the moon yet. <laughs> well, we love the whole, we love everybody, the whole family. And uh, Dionne Ward herself you know has Dion's been on our show. You yes. know Dion's part of that family, right? Yeah, well, Dion, she's been on the Hair Radio show. Her right. sister was, uh, Dee Dee was also on our show twice. So yeah, I interviewed I, her twice. I was yeah. a friend of Dee Dee as well. Yeah. There, I just love everybody. Newark, Jersey, all that whole area, you guys, we love it. We love it. Miss yeah. Melba Moore, anything you want to leave us with today? Anything you want to say before well, just we sign be off? Just positive like you are. Now keep your hair tight, baby. Okay. All right. I'm loving it. <laughs> All right, just do it me, Miss Melba Moore. Thank you so much for being with us and taking the time. It really, really means a lot. And we're going to shout out Ryan. Thank you, and thanks so much, Miss Melba Moore. All right, thank you, Carrie. All right, folks, stay with us. We got a whole lot more of the Hair Radio Morning Show to go. Stay with us. Love me. 